Just a couple of announcements before we dive into this week's episode of the Basically Good Podcast. Again, good progress being made on our Hero Duels card. We are so excited uh, to be able to be able to share this with you here in just a few more weeks. We were able to choose between two backs. Our artist actually created two unique backs for us for the back of the card and had us pick uh, between one of the two so we could start detailing. And this was about this was about a week ago from today, um, as well as some updates on the actual Tiberius uh, sketch as well that he is working on. So we're so excited to be able to move moving forward. We should be having an updated progress um, update here very soon. Um, and we should actually have the final product in hand in the next couple of weeks so that we can get those cards ordered and out to your doorstep at the recognized hero and the distinguished hero tiers we've had an absolutely bonkers first chunk of the month here uh and going into july it's just going to get crazier so due to some um traveling and vacation plans from some of our members we're going to be pushing this month's july's uh starfinder episode this will be released on the 12th for our patrons on our Patreon only podcast, and then a week later, the 19th of July, uh, for release there. Thank you so much for your patience on that. It's been a crazy one. Uh, some of us are going out of town for a couple weeks at a time. It's already happened for some others, and so we're just having uh, some scheduling conflicts kind of up through this month, but we should be on track by the end of this month. No sweat. Last but not least, mark your calendars for the next episode of What's going on here? It's going to be July 7th at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time. We would love to see you there. If you weren't able to be at the last one, it was an absolute riot. It was such a good time talking with Chance and Ronnie and really breaking down the last couple of episodes. So we're going to be doing that, covering the last four episodes of the previous month, kind of going up into this this arc of um, a heist this save urkel art some of the tough decisions that the party has made in order to get to where they are now again this will be on our twitch on wednesday july 7th at seven o'clock central time we hope to see you there with featured guests jackson and silas as well as two of our patreon heroes Last but not least, if you are already one of our patrons, we ask that you take some time to check out last week's post. We'll actually be posting the link again on Patreon. It is a Patreon perk interest gauge machine 3000. We are getting very close to being able um, to release our next Patreon goal. We're very, very excited to do so. But in order to make sure that our goals align with everyone else's goals, we want to make sure that we're prioritizing perks that you would like to receive as a Patreon member. So go ahead and click that link. There is a quick survey of, of a few things that we had in mind, as well as a space for you to write out a perk that you would actually like to see. Right now, we only have about five responses, and we'd really like to hear from all of you if possible. So go ahead and check that out. Jump onto your Patreon account. If you're not one of the regulars that jumps on there and actually sees this update, I beg of you to please check that out right now. This leads us to our patron of the week, Lindell. Lindell is one of our newer Patreon members that joined us on the actual night of uh, the Fall of Heroes. We're so happy to have Lindell on board with us. Uh, they're a relatively new fan of the show from what I've heard. And again, like I said, just chose to support us that night and have been supporting so for quite some time. Lindell, was so happy to have you as a supporter. Thank you so much for all you do for the show to help us move forward kind of towards uh, our upgrading our audio quality as well as many, many, many things that we have in the works right now. It's because of your help that we're able to kind of keep moving here. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, go ahead and jump over there now. Patreon.com slash basicallygoodpodcast. This is a great week to do it as we're getting ready to upgrade our Patreon and really beef up perks and, and kind of a new goal. It is the sole best way to support us and support this show. If you are unable to support us monetarily, we ask that you jump on over to our social medias so you can keep up to date with all the news and happenings going on with Basically Good at Basically GPod on Twitter, Basically Good Podcast on Instagram, as well as our Facebook. On Twitter, there is a pinned tweet with a link to our Discord. That is where the most of the magic is happening. We ask that you jump into the Discord if you are not there already. There's 50 million channels to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about, including most recent episodes of the show, both Basically Good and Starfinder, as well as a What's Going On Here section, um, and then several other channels to discuss to discuss other nerdy things as well. We want you to be part of the community. If you aren't in there already, we'd love to chat with you. That is all the announcements I have for today. Please enjoy this week's episode of the Basically Good Podcast. 
we open again to a circle of ebony thrones surrounded by a dark void. One by one, masked figures materialize from the shadows and take their place on each of the thrones. First the bronze lion mask, then the black feline, the mithril boar, the crimson fiend, and finally the gold-smiling masked man. Master of gold, I trust that the operation went smoothly? Asks the lion-masked man, swimmingly. The brute put up more of a fight than I thought, but you can all rest assured that I am still here the same man. And with a flourish, he removes his gold-plated mask to reveal his face, the face of Julius Firo. Glad to know you've still got it, Vero. Geriatric heroes are stronger than they used to be, scoffs the crimson fiend, masked woman. Mind your tongue, Laslin. Mr. Short is not the same man that shoved me from my own rooftop. Should I remind you all that it was he and his fellow vagabonds that wiped out our entire feeble-minded cult? We all understand the situation, Mr. Vero, says the bronze lion. But speaking of, what have you done with the others? Have you acquired the Huntergate Keystone, or I'll set his ring? I'm afraid our small window was only wide enough to obtain Mr. Short, and he regretfully did not have the Keystone. But my informants have notified me that his Band of miscreants have made their way into my city, and it is only a matter of time before they fumble themselves into my hands. And I'll set his ring. Ah, yes. They've left it completely unguarded, and my men will march on the citadel on the morrow. Very good. Well, brothers and sisters... I think we can all agree that these adventurers have caused us quite a bit more trouble than we originally intended. But our own master of gold seems to have everything in order. Mr. Vero grins malevolently at the crimson-masked woman. Now, to our next matter of business. Sayadi's spawn. And slowly the scene begins to fade to black. We open to see Urkel's eyelids raise, and he feels his weight being subtly suspended from the ground. You can barely see the small room in which he stands. Sconces to the left and right of him light the room. The room is mostly black stone, save for a small table in front of him. Across the room, it's a wooden door 
but blocking it, you see there is someone standing with their back to you in black ebony armor. There's no helmet, but there is a short head of hair, of black hair. You feel the cold shackles on your wrists digging in and you kind of come to your senses to see that you are standing but being um, your arms are held above you shackled to where when you were slumped you were still being kept off the ground by them what circle thinking right now He's definitely in um, I think all senses are kind of like very loud right now um, uh, to where he's trying to figure out why he isn't dead why um, what what just happened um, how long you know where where is he how long has he been out for um and then kind of, you know, trying to decide whether or not what just happened in Tiberius's house was real or a dream or maybe a little bit of both. And um, I think it's one of those feelings when you get jolted up from your sleep by something um, and you, his heart is just like pounding in his ears. Um, as he's like slowly waking up, but anxiety is like kind of attacking him while he's chained up. You look down and you see you're wearing the same clothes you were wearing and there's just blood all over them and bullet holes. How's, uh, how's he feeling? Am I healed? You actually wear the skin where uh, like your skin peeks through the holes and you are healed. Okay, so I feel okay. There's still scar tissue and everything, but you seem to have been healed somehow. About this time, as you're kind of realizing, seeing the holes, seeing the blood still on you, realizing that all of that did happen. This person and this black ebony armor turns and you see a familiar face of Alec Montague glaring at you. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. And then just, he just like slams a gauntlet into your face. The fuck is wrong with you, boy? <coughs> you take me for a fool. You, Calare, it was all a lie. I trusted you all. And you all played me like a damn violin. I've heard of your escapades. You're a murderer, a cheat, a liar. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, boy. You know, how did I get here? Why am I in shackles? That man who I so murdered filled me and my family full of holes. He's not dead. The men that you and your father attacked and killed brought you back to the city to face justice. Urkel just kind of shakes his head and, like, weirdly laughs. And he says, this is how he's done it. This is how he's done it in the past. Alec, look at me. Do you really think that I would run after a group of men that could do something like this to me? Do you think that I would run headfirst into barrels and barrels of guns does that sound like me if I wasn't set up do you think that that sounds like me 
Think. Think for yourself, Alec. You know me. I've always had a silver tongue. I've read your records. Paperwork? That's what you're going to trust. Alec, after all we've been through, after all you've told us, paperwork is where you're going to draw your truth. Hogan's ear. Stephen. Bertie. Old McCregan. Any of these names ring a bell to you? Ring a bell? No! Never heard of these men. Well, all of them have placed you, Miss Clare, Frizzigig, and Aaron all at the scenes of multiple homicides and thefts in the southern Isagiri border. All people matching your, all of your descriptions. Party of heroes, the perfect con. Alec, you need to, you need to listen to me, boy. It's not true. None of it's true. Vero. Did you murder him? Did you push him from the top of the bank? It wasn't like that. It wasn't, it wasn't as simple as you're making it sound. Just answer me. Did you kill? Yes. He fell. Alec turns. He's facing the door. You must see reason, Alec. This man, this man you're defending. He's not what you think he is. He turns back around. This man is dead. You're being tried for his murder. (laughs) You are wrong. He walks the streets. He did this to me. Killed my father, the hero of Breach Hill. But I'm guessing that it's just my word against yours at this point. I want to believe you, Urkel. The man that I met in Breach Hill. The man that I fought side by side with against that goblin devil. The man who went to save his friend. That man trusted that man. But since I've arrived here to the capital, I've seen your face plastered across the walls of dozens of buildings. Then I hear you in the same party that I cared for. Wreaking havoc on the good people of this country. I don't want to believe it, but I don't know how I can't. Why shouldn't I? Alec, you stand in a position where you can, you can do things that I can't. I know it doesn't make sense. I know that it must sound crazy to you, but I know what I saw. I know what happened. These men, they stood inside. They hid themselves from me like dogs. They hid. When I was safe at home, they waited for me. They waited for me to come down and they they entered my father's house. Did you, were you told? Did you see? Did you see with your own eyes what they did to the interior of that retired hero's home? Would they tell you that they were there for a visit? That we resisted even though the shots came from inside the house? facing the doorway. Did you notice 
the piercing blade through the back of the chair, the blood-soaked red chair, where I pierced the stomach of Julius Vero. Did you see? And if you hesitate, if you hesitate for a moment here, you know that there could be truth undiscovered. I stand here shackled. I stand here pretty much admitting to you my faults. The accident that's haunted me for these past few months. Yes. Yes. He tripped. I hit him. He tripped and fell. I know that you're a man of the law now. I can tell you've had an upgrade on your armor. But if you truly are a man of the law, you must know that there's more going on here than what you understand. I know Julius Vero. I know him. And he is as clean as a whistle. He makes sure that he is never caught. And the moment that there is a threat to that, well, he gets rid of that threat. Please. Look deeper. This doesn't make sense. He just is like taking this all in, kind of turns, turns around, is on the, looks on the table, and you see just kind of like a stack of some parchment. A few days ago, your report came by. I saw, I saw that they had captured you. I saw that your court date was scheduled post-haste. Not a single, single person would choose to defend you. No public servant would dare oppose the Eladia National Bank. In a case such as this. But for some reason I volunteered, whether it be pure curiosity or just to see you one last time, I chose the defense. So tell me, Urkel Short, in five minutes, you will be brought in front of Stuart Hedvind IV. I know my time here in Elodia these past two months. I have learned there are many coiled snakes that lie in wait in these ivory towers. Criminals using the law as their shield. But Vero, a man they had to scrape off of the pavement, they're telling me he's alive and is traveling to Breach Hill to gun you and your hero father down. I just don't know. Stranger things have happened. You know this to be true. You know Magic is out there. I didn't believe it myself. Alec, we need to buy time. Going out and pleading guilty immediately only leads me straight to the executioner's block. Yes. They must have scraped him off the pavement. Uh, but but uh, I know, I know that he... It, it sounds crazy. But murder, premeditated murder, that's... I don't believe that's the right accusation. I tell you now, he's alive. And if we want to play the game of law, and your job is to help enforce that law, we need to buy ourselves time. Do, do, uh, 
And he kind of has this moment of realization where he just hasn't even brought it up because he's just so focused on what's going on in front of him. Did uh, did they get the others? Where's Calere? Frizzigi? Aaron? See his face kind of darkens and he says, They tried. And failed. Like the gods. They've been missing now for days. Oh, and I'm just sure that they're smearing their lies about them all over town. Don't tell me that you fall for that. What am I to believe they left a man lying in the street in a pool of blood? Th- that... that doesn't sound right, unless... <clears throat> I'm not sure. But if you're telling me they're out there, I'm like they're they're coming for me, just like they came. We came for Aaron. And I know that things work a certain way here, but you said it yourself. There are people that hide behind the law to protect themselves, and if you are trying to find truth, a swift execution is not the way to go. That is exactly what they want from us. It's to be done and over with. This case to sink, to to appear in front of a judge and then pushed aside to where they can erase me. I'm afraid it's not an execution they seek. The prosecution has offered lifetime sentence to the Gieve as your punishment. And we don't have time. There's nothing I can do to buy time. And you hear a knock at the door as a warning. Now, is there anything, any holes in this, the plan from your point of view? Any, do you have anything? If not, I'm afraid there's nothing I can do, Urkel. There was a man. Two men. One I recognize just ever so slightly. I, I remember him from back when I worked at the bank. His name was Do- Dominic, uh, I think. Yes. Dominic. Um, the Golden Knight. Yes. Do- Dominic Godfrey. Uh, yes, the Golden Knight. Yes, you're right. Uh, from when I was working there, he always was following Vero around and he always wore a helmet as he was burned as a child. Yes, he he now runs the bank. That's right. It was on that night that I was overlooked for his role and Vero put him in charge instead of me. I saw that man. I saw his face. It was not burned. It looked weirdly familiar to me. But he's hiding something. He's not, he's not deformed. If you can get him to show his face, it, would that be enough of a hole? He, he's the one who dealt the final blow to me, knocked me out cold. And there was another man too, some uh, uh, mage, a spellcaster. Healed me up. Was or- Vero ordered him to heal me up? I didn't recognize him. I see, but they all had a hand in this. I see. Well, Godfrey will be present in the courtroom. He's the one pressing charges. <laughs> I don't know how to swing this. For what it's worth, Urkel. You are always a good man from what I've experienced. I'm going to continue to believe that. 
no matter what happens here. Thank you for going out on a whim and listening. If you would have said this to me weeks ago, I, I wouldn't have believed you. But now, after seeing how the city operates, it, it's driving me mad. It's, it's what it does to people, and it wasn't always this way. But Vero, his fingers run deep in the city. If he, once you're gone, you're gone. Corruption runs deep, and men with deep pockets fund them. But you, Alec, a hell knight, you don't, you're not held to this. You're held to the law, you know this. We, we must find the truth. You must find the truth. There's another knock on the door and then it opens and the light comes in and just like kind of blinds you for a second. And you see there are um, more guards in red and black armor, all with um, a red and black sigil of a, of a sword, which you know is the Isagiri army sigil. And we watch as they take Urkel from where he's shackled and begin, uh, they bind, um, they gag you to where you can't speak and they begin carrying you out. And Alec is going to pick up the parchment off the table and follow you. And you are brought out into a very elaborate hallway full of fine things and tapestries and frescoes of a government building and two large wooden doors open and you are brought into a large courtroom where you see there are many people as many people as they can fit into the audience area and you're dragged into the center of this courtroom and again shackled to a pole to your right you see the golden knight in his full suit of armor and helm and then you also see you see a man in a dark suit wearing dark supple gloves and military um, military um, accolades on his chest. Uh, he has um, ginger hair and a bright red mustache, um, well-oiled and very faint, fair skin and kind of gaunt looking eyes. But this is also the man that you saw in Tiberius's home that healed you. Okay, is, or is uh, am I able to like make eye contact with Alec or is he like far ahead? Um, yeah, you can. Yeah, he's like behind. I mean, okay. he's, he's, he's to the left on the defense side. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I want to see if I can get his attention and then, like, gesture, like, head nod towards the man with ginger hair, just kind of showing, like, that's him. Gotcha. Yeah, you, like, rattle your chains or kind of resist, and it gets his attention, and he meets your eyes and looks. Yeah, and I just want to, like, furrow my brow and, like, like, very adamantly, like, do a very stern nod that direction and kind of mm -hmm. like raise my eyebrows at him a little bit. Gotcha. You see the court is full of um, politicians and judges and people in robes, black and red robes. You see there are, are banners of the Isigiri symbol. 
um, stained glass. Uh, it, it feels very like a religious cathedral mixed with a courtroom, mm. a beautiful marble floor, and everyone's talk just echoes throughout the hall and hushed mm. whispering as, as you're dragged in. Everyone's wearing fine, fine upper-class clothing, and Urkel is wearing bloodied, battered, torn clothes. And you stand out from this, this scene. And up in front of you, on a large raised chair, you see there is a man who you know is Steward Hedvind IV. You know this is a man who has been the sitting executive power of the country and his fathers and his father's father and his father's father have all been stewards keeping after Isker. But definitely your time in the military, you know this as the commander-in-chief, the man they called a coward for hiding within the capital and pulling all their forces mm. to protect the trade route. Mm. But he looks down on you wearing his large furs, his red and black suit, his oiled, greasy hair. He sneers. He's whole, he holds a scepter, a long, golden, ornate scepter passed down from generations to conduct this court. And everyone, they... Everyone begins to grow silent as the guards walk away. And then he is going to pound the scepter into the floor, into the marble floor, echoing in the chamber. Well, let's get on with it. We are here today for the trial of Urkel Short. The man who killed, uh, excuse me, the man charged with murder of Julius Vero pushed from the top of his very bank. Now, we all have heard the witnesses. We've all seen the crime scene, the evidence. Our suspect has eluded us for months, hiding in a little quaint town of Breach Hill. Meanwhile, posing as a hero like his father, he's also been reaving the south of this fine country, stealing and raiding the highways with his newfound party of mongrels. Is this all fair for me to say or assume, Mr. Throp? And you see the the um, ginger, gingered-haired man next to the golden knight gr uh, grin and nod. <laughs> Why, yes, yes, uh, Steward, I think that that is perfectly accurate. We here, me and uh, Dominic Godfrey, would only like for this man to pay, not with his life, but the rest of his sentence in the Gieve, for what he's taken from this Fine city. A life snuff too short. The life of Mr. Vero cuts deep. The amount of wealth he was able to accrue 
this city, the fundraising. And this is how he's repaid. After all his good deeds to the city is being killed by his own employee. No. We only wish for him to serve his sentence so that he may think every day of what he's done and taken from this city. I see. Well, let's let the man speak for himself before we enact justice. Gods. And they walk forward and ungag you. Speak up, Mr. Short, for us all to hear. Do you have any defense? Steward, I... <coughs> I stand before you. A veteran. A visca. One who has held honor in my position. All... All of my days as a citizen here. I worked alongside Julius Vero for many, many years. And I worked to bring this city funds. Just like you were saying, Mr. What was your name again? Addressing the ginger-haired man. Howbuck Throp. Mr. Throp. Of course. I worked hard. And I did it because I loved the city, because I loved the people. And as Vera stepped in, there are many a time where questionable things were done. And I was instructed to take care of them for him. Or to stay out of the way. Now I will speak my peace. What happened those months ago was nothing short of a freak accident. An outburst. Maybe, hell, even even an assault, but an accident. He admits it. Months ago, Mr. Vero tripped and fell off of the balcony of the Illidia National Bank. Days ago, that same man stood before me and shot me square in the chest. Look at my clothes. I was riddled with bullets in my house, the house of my father, who now lies dead. Where you, Mr. Throp, soon sewed me right back up in you, Dominic, is it? The man who was in a tragic accident to where his face was deformed stood before me helmetless. with no deformity. Mr. Dominic, you were there the night that Mr. Vero fell from the rooftop. I stare before you now, all of you, saying that something just doesn't add up here. And if you look deep enough, it makes sense. The only request that I would have is that Mr. Dominic take off his helmet so that we can identify whether or not my story reigns true. I don't believe you're in any place to make requests. <laughs> and everyone kind of like laughs. And uh, you see Halberg Throp says, I'm sorry, Mr. Short, but I'm afraid... You are being plagued by ghosts of your own guilty conscience for, well, I and Mr. Godfrey were at your father's establishment, asking you peacefully to come with us to the capital 
before you both lashed out and killed one of my men. There was no Mr. Vero present, for he was already six feet under here in the capital. Now, Mr. Short, are you saying that you're pledging your entire defense on whether Mr. Godfrey's face is deformed? I'm saying that if what I say rings true, then there's potential for me to have merit in truth in the situation. All of you sit here believe that this Mr. Dominic is Mr. Dominic and who he says he is, correct? Is it all renownedly known that this man, who inappropriately wears his helmet indoors, stands before you claiming to be something that you all really don't know who he is? It could be any man in that suit. But the identity surrounding this golden knight all rests on the fact that he doesn't want to show his face. Hear my case. Sounds like you all in here, you all should be ashamed of yourselves. You know me. Many of you recognize me. And you're willing to throw me, a veteran of this nation who saved multiple lives, you're ready to throw me away off of a, a, an account that already happened without me being present? Are you fucking serious? If what I say is untruthful, it can easily be confirmed. What is under that man's helmet is what he says it is. Stuart, I, I don't think that this has any merit. It is my turn to talk, Snake! Take your helmet off, Dominic. Yes, let's hear the orc out. Now I apologize, Mr. Godfrey, but today I'm feeling a bit adventurous, and to be honest, I'm always quite curious of that deformity of yours. So, take it off. You see, uh, Dominic nods, and he raises his hands. Can I make a perception check on Mr. Throp and see if he's doing anything to change his image? Yes. 29. You don't see anything. Okay. And go ahead and give me a society check. Eladir? Yeah. 27. You would know, you would know that the scepter that the steward has in his hand is a powerful magic item that basically you would know in this court, it's, it's used within this court that within its vicinity, there can be no magic being used. Okay, so it kind of provides true sight and yeah. So okay, it's it's great. it's based like it's it's used within the court of law from the person kind of presiding. So basically, like no one can use charm, magic, or illusions, or you know. Okay. And so, as this is happening, he kind of like holds it up, and you see there is kind of this like uh, abjuration effect over the room. Um, okay. and he, the golden knight takes his hands and his helmet and slowly begins to lift it up and you see the raw crimson skin slowly begin to be revealed as he takes the helmet off. And you see the husk of what a face used to be. And you see there's no hair on his head and it is just raw, crudely grafted skin. And he just like looks at you and smiles. It's not the same man. It's not the same. I look over at Alec. It's not the same. <laughs> it appears your defense is worthless, Mr. Short. He just kind of hangs his head. Now, Alec speaks up. This man has gone through a lot. He's seen his own father been shot to hell in front of him. 
And while, yes, he may have murdered Mr. Vero, what he speaks is true. He has devoted his life to the Isiguri lifestyle and people. And I do not think that he deserves to spend the rest of his life in the Gieve, miles below the light of the sun. I ask you, steward, give him a sentence. Yes, he should be punished. But look at his age. Look at the amount of years he's given of his own life to this place to make it better. Surely that should have some worth. You see, Dominic, Godfrey puts his helmet back on and Halberk Throp just kind of shrugs and looks at the steward. Yes, I remember when all the survivors came back after we turned the tide of the Goblin Blood Wars. Mr. Short, you were given many titles and recognition for what you've done. Protected this city from the hordes of goblin kind. Yes, I... I suppose that's true. I fought to the end. Lost many comrades. But yes, I came back. And they gave me medals. Well, you will be the most decorated man the Gieve has ever seen then. Take this man away. This city is better off without one less orc murderer and it walking its streets. And immediately you feel the gag back on your mouth and the chains tightened around your wrists. And there is a hood placed over your head. And before, but before it is covered, you get one last glimpse of a very shocked, saddened, Alec, looking down on you across the courtroom, and all you see is black, and you feel your body being yanked and pulled and dragged, and we fade to black. Black.